0: Welcome to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and SaaS podcast, where Jonathan Denwood interviews the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing to help WordPress professionals launch their own SaaS. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is show 747 This Week in WordPress and SaaS. Got a special guest, a returning guest, a friend, um, somebody I look up to, somebody that can deal with my madness. Deals with a lot of people's madness. Always mm-hmm. uh, uh, reasonably calm. We've got Rob Rowley back again. Uh, um Thanks so much, Rob, for agreeing to come back on the show. In this show, we're going to be talking about the AI robots. They're coming for us all, the developers, the writers, the designers. They're coming for us all, folks. But in this madness... In this period of disruption, there probably are opportunities, and I'm going to be seeing if Rob's got some views on this. I'm sure he has. So, Rob, uh, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers?
1: Hey, listeners and viewers. Nice to see you. I'm Rob Walling. I have started, um, I was trying to count the other day, I kind of say six companies, serial entrepreneur, I've had a couple of exits uh, in SaaS, but I've been doing it since back before SaaS, when it was downloadable software. Um, and these days, I run MicroConf, which is the largest community for non-venture-track SaaS founders, bootstrapped and mostly bootstrapped. And we have an online community, in-person events. And I run Tiny Seed, which is the first startup accelerator for SaaS bootstrappers. We've funded 105 companies in the past three and a half years. And we have a $40 million, $40 million in... Funding that we raise to invest in Bootstrap and mostly Bootstrap SaaS founders. And then I have a podcast called Startups for the Rest of Us, which I always think it's I think it's pretty cool that I have like 650 episodes. I, there are very, very few podcasts that have more episodes than I. So 747, bravo to you, sir. That's that's a real uh, milestone. It's,
0: it's more bonkers than that, Rob. Nice. I, I, I do another podcast that's up to 400 Unbelievable. In, in my... I've got two businesses, Rob. Yep. And then I, I started a new podcast, The Membership Machine Show. And we're already up to episode 14. Uh, Rob, so I'm bonkers. Well, you know... I am bonkers. Mm -hmm. uh, um, His wife knows as well. They're they're very charitable to me because they both know I'm bonkers. At least I know I'm bonkers, Rob. It's when you don't. Uh, um, I've got my my co-host with us. Kirk, would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Absolutely. My name is Kurt, Kurt Von Annen. I own an agency called Manana Nomas. I focus largely on membership and e-learning type websites. And uh, I'm thrilled to meet Rob. I used to listen to Startups for the Rest of Us way back. And when I saw the notes... I saw the meeting, right
0: thing to say, Kirk, you should be saying that you,
2: you're avid listener you're still listening. Now. <laughs> No, now. No, it was like a reminder. I was like, ah! You know, right? So it's like, it's like, there it is. So I was like super stoked. Right. Very
1: cool. Good to meet you.
0: Right, before we go into the main part of this great interview, I'm really looking forward. It's always fantastic to talk to Rob. I've got a couple of messages from our major sponsors. We'll be back in a few moments, folks.
1: Are you looking for ways to make your content more engaging? Sensei LMS by Automatic is the original WordPress solution for creating and selling online courses. Sensei's new interactive blocks can be added to any WordPress page or post. For example... Interactive videos let you pause videos and display quizzes, lead generation forms, surveys, and more. For a 20% off discount for the tribe, just use the code WPTONIC, all one word, when checking out and give Sensei a try today.
0: Hi there folks, it's Jonathan Denwood here and I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors and that's Zolo.com. If you've got a WordPress website, a membership website, and you're looking to link it with a great financial management package, Zolo can provide this solution. So all your bookkeeping needs are done through Zolo. If you need new inbox email functionality and you don't want to, pay the high charges that Google will charge you, Zolo offers a great email inbox platform. They've got over 50 apps and services that all integrate fantastic with WordPress at great value levels. And they almost always offer a fully functioning free product as well. So it's just amazing value. Also, if you're a WordPress developer or agency owner, Zolo are looking for great partnerships in the WordPress space. To get all this information, all you have to do, folks, is just go over to zolo.com and they have the products that you're looking for. Thank you so much, Zolo, for supporting WP Tonic and the Machine Membership Shows. It's much appreciated. We're coming back. Just want to point out, if you're looking for a great hosting provider, a great WordPress partner, if you're building a learning management system for a client or a buddy boss website or combination, why don't you look at utilizing WP tonic as your partner? You can earn a great initial commission and then ongoing Um, commission afterwards, and we deal with all the headaches, provide all the technology and consultation. It's a great partnership. If that's interesting, go over to WPtonic slash partners, WPtonic slash partners, and learn some more. So let's go straight into it, Rob. Um, So apart from AI, (laughs) well, I suppose it's all going to be AI, um, is there anything that's come on your radar in the bootstrap community in 2022, that you like to share with the audience and viewers.
1: Yeah, sure. There's a few things I've I've been noticing, and I actually asked some folks on my team. I was like, "Help me, let me flesh this out." Because I said AI is too obvious, right? Everyone already knows that. I think there's three things, and I can run through them quickly. Two that I think are. More interesting than the third. But um, the first thing is no code is becoming a real thing. No code and low code. And this has been a movement that started many years ago. But people are building more and more with this. Um, even at MicroConf Seed, we have now three or four basically full-blown SaaS apps that are all built on Airtable, Bubble, Softer, or Softer, one of those three. Um, and it's pretty incredible that it's an internal their internal line of business apps. It's like podcast production or video production for our YouTube channel. It's all strongly typed workflow management for us. And if we didn't have those, we would we were doing it like in Notion. And before that, we were doing it uh, essentially with Trello plus a Google Doc. You know, so we've slowly just gotten better and better. There are also people now building MVPs with no code and getting to the point where oh, now I have three, four, five thousand in MRR. Now I'm going to go code it because I validated it. And then there are people, uh, there is, I forget the name of the app, but there is a guy with an app in the Shopify app store that is a production app that they're using. And it was built with Bubble. And he's ma- he told us uh, his revenue privately. I can't disclose it, but it's a nice little side income that he didn't have to write code for. So there aren't a ton of full-blown, there aren't any full-blown SaaS apps, right? Like you can't build Drip, uh, an email service provider. You couldn't build, you know, SignWell, which is like... Uh, electronic signature, like those are too big. They need too much scale, whatever. But you can get these step one businesses, these early stage businesses, no code, low code. That's the first one. Uh, The second one is the build in public movement. You know how that's you, that's been something for years of like... Well, I lived uh, my whole
0: life in public. Transparency. I'm always, I'm always, I'm always doing a podcast. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so,
1: and that's the thing, right? Like when we started Startups for the Rest of Us 13 years ago, part of that, big part of that was building in public. Um, but the movement and the sharing, the transparency of revenue and the transparency of all this, your internal documents and salaries and all that like Buffer has done, that seems to be cooling off. There are a lot more people that are just taking down their public revenue, uh, dashboards. And there's still some people doing it, but it is, it is less trendy, I'll say. Um, less popular, fewer people doing it. And the, the third one, which kind of tacks onto that, is there was a big push of Indie Founder podcasts where two, two developers would get together and they'd start a podcast and just talk about what was going on every week. That kind of crested and mm, the, 70% of those are either on sporadic schedules now or have completely stopped producing. So those are three trends. that Do you place.
0: have any thoughts about the third one? Why
1: that's happened? I don't know. Well, I, here's why it happens. Because two people sharing their journey, their entrepreneurial journey on a microphone is, is a very hard format. It works for a month or two, and then you just don't have anything interesting to say. I've done it. I was in that exact yeah,
0: drip. I, I thought that was fabulous. Well, it was more about your suffering. I, I, end, exactly. I, felt, I felt sorry for you, even though you made a ton of money from it. But it was such a painful journey. I it was it him.
1: was tough. And that, but see, those were the best years of the of our podcast. But there was a huge lull in there for like two years where you were just kind of you're kind of straining for content. It's like, well, nothing good, nothing interesting happened in the last week. I don't know what to tell you. You know, and because that's the journey, right? And the part of the journey is a lot of boredom, and then part of the journey is a a lot of stuff you can't say on a microphone at the time. And so what happens is people start the podcast. It's super interesting for a month or two as you learn them and then and then it gets old. And then you get to 500 or 1,000 listeners and you realize, is this worth the time? You know, I think that people start questioning the value of, of that. So I like those podcasts, but also I tend to listen for a few months and then I wind up unsubscribing because it just isn't that interesting in the long term. You have to have some other, um, some other thing, whether it's guests like you do, whether it is, yeah, yeah I do all types of crazy formats. I do listener question episodes. I do solo episodes, which mm-hmm. are kind of like think pieces. You know, I think once you start mixing up formats, you can, you can have longevity. And the second one, I always had mixed feelings
0: about that because I'm English at heart um, I believe in openness and a, a flat hierarchy um, but on the other hand, I found it a bit queasy publishing everything you know I think some things I think some are private you know you know if you want to share it with colleagues or friends that should be you but I think it must be my English side of me. I just find it a bit crazy. Everybody wants to know everybody else's business.
1: Yeah, I, so I always viewed it as, so there, I should separate. There's build in public, like you're saying, you know, you talk on a podcast, I talk on a podcast. Then there is this... Transparency, I was like I'm going to be transparent with all these internal numbers. That's never anything that I did. I would do just-in-time transparency, where I, if I was doing a microconf talk, I would say this is our MRR because it helps set context for this. But then that talk wouldn't go on YouTube for six months, and that felt okay to me. But I did not have a live dashboard, nor did I publish salaries. It felt um, to me, I didn't, I didn't like the idea of it. Some people call it instead of building in public, call it bragging in public, because that's ca- how it comes across from some people. Yeah. They do a year interview and be like, look at all the money I made. Aren't I the coolest? And it's like, yeah, that's a little annoying.
0: Look, all the reddies of sorry, reddies, yeah. English slang term. Oh, mm-hmm.
1: sorry. Well, and the other thing is, that, bother, that has always bothered me about it, is almost all the people who do it they claim oh, I'm doing this to help other entrepreneurs. They're not. They're doing it to brag. Or they're transparent only about the good stuff. There's only the only person I know who's transparent about both is Rand Fishkin. He is yeah he, he And is, then he's super To transparent a level,
0: about. to a level yep. I find I find I would say intimidating. It's just something it's it's to a
1: level that kind of super impressive. Uh, yep. Impressive. <laughs> but, uh, I just would, I wouldn't I even do it. Mm-mm. I wouldn't either, but that's that's his personality and he's comfortable mm. with it, right? But then a lot of the others, I don't want to name names, but kind of everyone else, all the transparency. He's like, look how transparent I'm being. We are killing it. It's 5 million ARR and, you know, uh, we got this huge deal. But then when, when things go sideways and they're plateauing and you can see it in their public revenue, they're not blogging about that. There's no blog post coming out about, wow, it's really hard right now, right? It's only the good things. And that always bothered me because it's like, that's not being transparent. That's just being braggy when things are going well. So that's my personal opinion. I also think the folks, I mean, Josh Pigford of Bear Metrics talked about his transparency and how it came back to bite him later because people started copying him. And that is a, a big issue, right? The more you disclose, the more likely someone jumps in and, and copies what you're doing. Well, if it's you, Kurt.
2: I know that Jonathan wanted to talk about AI and we were having um, listening to you talk about your, your three items there and the lack of um, creativity and podcasts and ideas and stuff. I wonder what your thoughts are on just kind of the natural flow of AI and how that might extend ideas and concepts and, and give people that, that starter seed to help those things be more successful.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm surprised, you know, like anything AI is part hype, like the chat GPT, let's just say that. That's, that's the biggest thing, that I think the most uh, tangible thing that we can talk about. And some people don't see the benefit of it. And then I have a project manager who's helping me with my my new book. Um, this, I'm going to kickstart in a couple months. She uses it every day. Every day we talk and she's like, oh, I asked chat GPT this. And then I refined it. And I'm like, this is game-changing. And I've already asked it to like, I am I have to record a YouTube video on sales, SaaS sales and marketing metrics. And I, why not go to ChatGPT and say, outline a video on this topic. And then I can look through and usually I kill half of what it puts out. But it's a nice seed for me to, um, to your point, I have a bunch of stuff in my head of what sales and marketing video would, you know, what it would have in it. Chat GPT always unearthed something that I didn't think of, but I'm like, that's actually a really good point. And I wind up including it.
2: Yeah, I put it off and put it off and put it off myself. But then I gave it that first try. And then I was like, oh, that really saved me a lot of time. Yeah. And then I started using it more like with other tools, like what are people asking and how can I find that answer? And then how can I, as a writer, embellish that answer or give it my own flavor? And I, right. I found it to be a really good tool. Yeah. But when I think about how it might affect, you know, affecting the bootstrap startup community or giving people ideas or helping people extend um, their efforts, I was wondering if you, if you thought that that might positively or maybe negatively affect, you know, the, the, the bootstrap SaaS community.
1: I feel like, I mean, there's a there's a number of angles there, right? One is, I think over the next couple of years, um, more and more tools, like we see Notion now has the AI, like you can put a podcast transcript, for example, and it'll summarize the podcast. Or Intercom just launched yesterday, last couple of days, where they have all this AI built in to for responses. I mean, that's amazing, right? That's going to impact and become, that's going to become easier, but from a product perspective, of course, that's going to be integrated into more and more things. So that's one angle. Another angle is in, you know, think about marketing. And either, there are a lot of founders I know, it's like a two-founder team, and one of them is trying to crank out blog posts. Well, now that's that's a seed, right? You can either say, outline this. I mean, with Copy.ai, Jasper.ai, where it's a full-blown, you know, Chat GPT is not for blog posts, right? It's just for short-form things. The responses are limited. But uh, so it's actually, I think, a benefit to help someone, especially someone who cares, who's not just going to use the whole AI-generated thing, but like you and I just said, it's a seed that you then improve upon. So I think it makes Bootstrap founders more efficient in terms of marketing, SEO, and content. Um, And then, you know, another aspect, of course, is code. And even some really good senior developers I know are getting in there and saying... Build me this thing you know based on build me a calculator based on blah blah blah, and if you 're a good developer again, you look at it and you say, oh it didn 't do that right, so i 'm going to spend twenty percent of the time that I would have spent writing it from scratch to fix that you know and then and then i 'm in so and there are even more angles in the interest of time I won't, but you know I won't go into it, but uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of impact what i have i 've been having trouble thinking of is. What are the potential negative? Because the three I just mentioned are all positive. I don't know off the top of my head. I'd be curious to hear from either of you. Like, do you see negative aside from? Look, if you're a shitty writer, yeah, you're you're not going to have a job, <laughs> right? Because it, it's going to write better than you. Uh, if you're a crappy developer, it's going to develop better than you. But I think the net. I think I think of a lot of net positives for bootstrappers. I don't know that I can think uh, offhand of a, a big negative impact. Curious if you guys do.
0: Well, um, in the bootstrap, uh, it's probably going to, you're going to be busy. Tiny Seed's going to be busy for the next few years. Uh, um, Society, well, there was This Week in Startups um, pointed out that Amazon Square, the stadium, they were utilising AI to identify people's faces and any people that... Said nasty things about Amazon Stadium on Twitter or social media, or the, they would they were they were
1: kicking them out. Right, or security would talk to them. But that's fine. Like I can think of a lot of negative stuff in the society as a whole. But for bootstrappers, I don't know. Haven't thought of any yet. I'm sure we'll see some. Yeah,
2: the the one negative that came to my mind, Rob, was the idea that it gives it can give certain people that aren't at that that. That level yet. They're still, you know, they're not the diamond in the rough yet. They're still the charcoal, right? Mm. And it's like might give them that that piece of um, security or inspiration to take the next step into bootstrapping before they're ready. Like false confidence, mm-hmm. and that's where I thought that might be a negative because if we flood the market with people that aren't ready to be in the market, it kind of dissolves it or dilutes it for the rest of the people that are prepared.
1: I can see that. Yep, that's one. And as you were talking, I realized. For bootstrappers, but for anyone who's hiring now, people can fake it. Like, what if I'm not a good writer and I give you a bunch of AI writing, right? And that is so that could potentially be a negative or code for that matter. Give me some code yeah. samples to like whatever. I sent a code project out, right? We used to give projects, and now people could go to co- uh, Copilot, is that GitHub's yeah. or or Chat GPT to to do it. So that means we have to get a little more creative, right? I, I know that Open AI released a AI content. Um, Identifier, right it's not great yet right they said there's a bunch of false positives but it'll be within six months that that'll be an amazing resource and then i think for if you're hiring developers we had actually years ago switched from take-home projects to pair programming and if you do that then you're you know you'll actually watch them code the thing so there, there are ways around it it's just we have to get a little more creative
0: cool over to you jonathan Thanks for that, Kirk. We're going to go for our middle break. It's been a fantastic discussion already. We'll be back in a few moments, folks.
2: Hey, it's Ben from LaunchFlows.com. If you've been looking for a fast and easy way to create powerful sales funnels on WordPress, then look no further than LaunchFlows. In just minutes, you can easily create instant registration, upsells, downsells, order bumps, one-click checkouts, one-time offers custom thank you pages, and best of all, no coding is required. For as little as $50 per year, you can own and control your entire sales funnel machine with launch flows. Get your copy today. This podcast episode is brought to you by Lifter LMS the leading learning management system solution for WordPress. If you or your client are creating any kind of online course, training-based membership website, or any type of e-learning project, Lifter LMS is the most secure, stable, well-supported solution on the market. Go to LifterLMS.com and save 20% at checkout with coupon code PODCAST20. That's PODCAST20. Enjoy the rest of your show.
0: We're coming back, folks. Just want to point out, we've got some fantastic um, deals um, on the WP Tonic site around our sponsors, plus a curated list of the best plugins and WordPress services. You can get all these goodies by going over to WP tonic slash deals WP tonic slash deals and you can sign up for the weekly WP tonic newsletter which I write with the help of AI it's me it's me at the core you can tell by the terrible English jokes so um, on to the next question I'm doing well even get a smile for Rob so there we go uh, um, so uh, sorry Rob uh, um, <laughs> so on to the next week. Um, so do you think over the last 18 months, do you think it's got easier for Bootstrap Sass to get to this unicorn mystical level 10,000 income per month? Or do you actually think it's getting harder, Rob?
1: I love that in bootstrapping, we use unicorn to mean 10000 a month because in the rest of the world, it's a billion dollar company. But <laughs> uh, uh, I think well, we're, so in the, we're in the real
0: world, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: <laughs> I think so over the long term, like I think 10, 15 years ago uh, versus today, I think it's easier today. And there's more competition, but there's so much more. There's more information out there, and there are these massive ecosystems that you can build into like the Shopify App Store, Heroku App Store, uh, WordPress plugin repository. You know, you can build these add-ons to an existing ecosystem and getting to 10K with one, two, three of those. Mm is much, much easier than it was building. Because you had to, let's say 10, 15 years ago, you had to build standalone software, and that is a lot harder. So I have a thing called the stair-step approach, stair-step method of bootstrapping, which talks about that. And there's actually a guy at rocketgems.com who's put together a list of 69 different software app store marketplaces, like I'm talking about, that you can build add-ons to. And uh, so that's a real interesting idea. But your question was over the past 18 months, um... I don't I don't know that I've seen a drastic shift in 18 months. There just hasn't been enough change, right? There is certainly the economic cl- climate is a little worse. I mean, it is worse than 18 months ago. But the bootstrap SaaS companies I'm seeing that are solving problems are still doing fine. There's not a huge slowdown. There is slowdown. Big enterprise deals, especially for selling to Fortune 1000 or public companies, because they're seeing their stocks drop. Uh, big startups, Facebook, Google, or whatever. If you're selling a fifty thousand dollar deal, hundred thousand dollar deal to whatever, Target, Facebook, um, they are doing a lot of hiring freezes as they're doing these these layoffs. So those things are, are slowing down. In terms of like tiny seed micro companies, <laughs> you know, December wasn't great because, but it never is. And January, I back to back to business as usual, mostly. So usually what happens... I mean, the reason I'll, I'll caveat this with like, the reason I think it's gotten easier over 10 years, 15 years, is there's all these new ways to find people, right? There's Twitter, there's social media in general, LinkedIn, Twitter. There's Captera. There um, there's all these marketing approaches that really didn't exist to, or weren't very accessible 10 or 15 years ago. But these marketplaces, the platforms, like I said... The Salesforce, Heroku, Shopify—like these were nascent or non-existent—and um, so over the last eighteen months, there hasn't been a drastic shift in in those things, right? It's not like Capterra came up in the last eighteen months or all these marketplaces. So, I think I think it takes more time for it to be a a, a big shift and make it easier or harder. I'd say it's about the same. All
2: right, over to you, Kurt. Great, thanks, Jonathan. Um, having been someone that's. You know, made the investment in the WordPress space, um, several different WordPress SaaS things, uh, most prominently WP Engine. Um, do you feel that there's still a lot of opportunity in the WordPress space, or do you think it's just gotten crowded?
1: There is always opportunity. There's always opportunity. It's crowded, but there's opportunity. We've also invested in, let's see, Castos, right? Seri- which was yeah. seriously, or is seriously simple podcasting, uh, Lasso which is a WordPress uh, plugin. I a couple others as well. Here's what I would say, though. WordPress is a mature... You have to think about a mature space differently than a, a mature platform, differently than a one-year-old platform. The opportunities are there, but they're different. So if I were to personally build a WordPress plugin today or want to get into the WordPress ecosystem as specifically with a software product, obviously there's a bunch of ways. There's consulting and there's other things, but specifically with software... The basic ideas, all the basic features are built, right? That's a mature product. The way I would look to get into it is in one of two ways. Take some type of new technology, ecosystem, whatever, and apply it to WordPress. Two examples. A friend of mine named Phil Dirksen, back in 2013-ish, built WP Pinit Pro, I think it was called, or WP Pinit, which was a Pinterest WordPress plugin. It was like one of the first because Pinterest was new. So if a new... Where's the WP TikTok, right? Where's the WP Web 3? Where's the WP AI? Where is that, right? These are newish things that are becoming prominent. So he built Pinterest one, and then he built WP Stripe, which I believe he had to rename to WP Simple Pay maybe because Stripe was, <laughs> you know, I have a trademark and all that. But all that said... Those and he built it in 2012, 2013 as Stripe came into prominence. So today, if I were to do that, it's like like I just gave three examples, right? But what are the what are the things? WPVR, if that makes sense. WP drones. W, you know, I'm I'm kind of just brainstorming here, but like, what are all the new technologies we've seen over the past two years? And are there WordPress plugins? Are the is there a need? So that's one way to do it. That's risky. You're timing a market, and it may just never come to fruition that that's needed. Right? You're kind of taking a gamble. The way I would actually do it, the lower risk way, is there's all these plugins out there. And a bunch of them have either been abandoned or someone just wants to let them go. I would try to adopt or buy, personally. And I have multiple friends, literally dozens of friends, who have either gone in and acquired a WordPress plugin, like gone through the repo and been like, oh my gosh, this plugin has a kajillion five-star reviews and X amount of downloads. I don't remember what number you can see, but X amount of installs, right? I think it shows. And they'll contact, but no update in two years. And they'll reach out and say, you know, can I acquire this? Can I adopt this? Can I buy it from you? I mean, Craig Hewitt has been uh, founder of Castos has been public about seriously simple podcasting, which is his plugin that then became Castos, a, a, a yeah. you know a seven figure SaaS app. He was contacted by the person who owned that, and he acquired it for single digit thousands, right? He hasn't been exact, but I mean single digit thousands. We're talking between one and nine thousand dollars, and that became a business. So that would be. That's where I would go. We could go down that that rabbit hole a lot further, but that's where I think those are the easy opportunities in WordPress or in any mature space.
2: Yeah, and I like that you hit on the luck thing because you know your book that you have available on your site talks about you know there's no such thing as luck marketing as soon as you start coding and all that. And it's like sometimes you get lucky, but you can't bank on it. Right, one one in ten thousand chance of being lucky or something like that. You said,
1: "Yep, awesome." Hard work, luck, yeah. and skill are the things that I see that people who are successful, there's a combination of hard work, of luck, and of skill. You can't you can't change, you can't impact luck, but you can impact the other two. You can build your skills, you can build your experience, and of course, you can work hard.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that.
1: Jonathan? Yeah, just a quick follow-up question. One of the things um,
0: I've been thinking about this, Rob, because um, obviously um, – what makes wordpress it's a bit the same with individuals it's the same with companies and it's the same with platforms what the strengths of wordpress are also its weaknesses um i it's a much more open platform than a saas like woocommerce compared let's take woocommerce to shopify you know um shopify easier probably to get up and running woocommerce ownership flexibility um, if you're building a add-on service you'd probably be more advised to look at WooCommerce because Shopify could at any time just say we're taking that on, over or we don't like it um, but um, the main problem with WordPress is it's a bit of a flea market you know you've got these 60,000 plugins and that And WordPress and automatic for understandable reasons don't want because they would be a sitting target if they really started recommending stuff. But that's where I see AI being, because I see one of the opportunities in WordPress and you see that with the leading influencers in the WordPress space on YouTube, podcasting, is they become human curators, recommendators. I see AI helping people with integration about being able to look at all these choices and customising a solution for somebody. Do you think I'm on the right path?
1: So are you saying that we'll go to AI to help us pick like what's the best WordPress plugin to do XYZ? Yeah,
0: and we got we got a bit. you know, we we're wanting to get a membership website up and we've got these specific things. And we'll be able to put it in interface and it would just give us this is this is the recommendation list of plug-in solutions for mm. you to achieve what you're looking to do.
1: Sure. I think that's totally reasonable. I think for AI to get there, it needs to start citing sources because right now it can it makes stuff up. And when I go to Google and I type a a search, I was looking for like what was I looking for? Oh, it was a steamer. You know what a hand steamer is where you can steam clothes? Go, like I've got one, I've got yeah. one, bro. They're great. Uh, we didn't have one. We were on a trip and we, the hotel had one where I'm like, well, how do I not own this, right? This is amazing. So I went to ChatGPT and I said, what's the best steamer that I should buy? Here are my requirements. And then I went to Google and I did the same thing. I went with Google's recommendation because mm-hmm. in Google, there were 10 links. And guess what? One of them was like the wire cutter or something that I trust. So if I knew that the moment... And actually, the top two in Google were like these BS SEO sites, you know, best dash steamer dash in dash that, right? It's like, so I skipped those. I went to the wire cutter. So I was seeking the source that I trusted. Then I looked at it and I was like, cool, right there. Boom, bought it. Chat GPT, I looked at it. And I'm like, I don't... Is it is it making this up like it just fell I, I couldn't trust it yet but if chat gpt had said based on recommend based on amount you know amalgamating the wire cutter and cnet and consumer reports or whatever this is the one we recommend. Blah blah blah. I would have felt much more confident. So, in terms of your question of which you know plugins should I use to do a this that ecom you know WordPress site with these requirements, if it recommended something to me today, I'd be like, I'd I need to double check all this with Jonathan because I don't know WordPress well enough. But if it cited sources of this is from the WP Tonic blog and we aggregated this and that, that would make me personally feel much more comfortable. With the recommendations.
0: Yeah, just um to wrap up the podcast, are you okay to stay on for a little longer? For oh, the yeah. Bonus, yeah? <laughs> um I think um, I've got such mixed feelings about AI because um it's definitely a disruptor and it definitely is real. But it also these people that say it's intelligent or it, it's really got elements of the do you know this um thing that happened in the eighteenth century, the mechanical Turk mm-hmm. Um, where there, it was a chess machine, playing machine, but it was somebody in the bottom of the box. It, it, it's that, because it's a bit like Alan Turling. It, passed, it, it probably will help pass the Alan Turling test, and then, um, but it's not intelligent. It's not intelligent. It's just, it has no intelligence at all. It, it's ridiculous that people even think that, but... I'm amazed at the amount of people that even suggest that. They really show sure that they know nothing about the subject, and I literally know nothing about it. But um, it's really—it's no surprise surprised you, I suppose. Not really.
1: I, like anything, AI has been batted around for a decade, right, or more. I mean, for fifty, hundred years, whatever, since Mechanical Turk. But really, in computing, people have been saying, "Oh, this thing is AI." In a, a, you know, if, if it helps you generate a few subject lines in an email marketing software. And it wasn't actually AI. It was a bunch of if-then-else statements or a bunch of case statements, right? And so AI has been misused. And anyone who's a developer or who's technical knows a lot of the stuff people have called AI is not. Um, so no, it doesn't surprise me that there are folks who think it's actually intelligent. But I will say that while it while you and I know it's not actually intelligent that it's just absorbing a bunch of information and learning to spit it out in a new way it is allowing us to do things that you could never do before right it's people are literally taking songs like a Beatles song and the ai can pull out a single track in a way that we you just couldn't do it or it can record you can upload a five minute sample of your voice i think it's 11 11 labs is what it's called you upload it And then you can just type stuff and it will say it as you. Like, that's pretty incredible, you know? And the ability to... um, I actually want to... I mean, I go to ChatGPT, like I said, and I have an outline, you know, a YouTube video, and then I'll take pieces of it. I actually want to... I'm trying to figure... I'm working on this now with with a friend, but I'm trying to upload all of my... Everything I've ever done, like my books. I'm working on my fourth book. It's almost done. I am... I have all these YouTube videos I've recorded that are just me. I've had all these podcast episodes that are just me. I have more than a hundred essays on my blog, but like I want to stuff all that into an AI. And then when it comes up for YouTube, say, how would, how would I outline this? Because it's going to know now it's going to borrow from my previous stuff. Right. So that's like incredible power. So it's not intelligent, but it's, it is a step, it is yeah. a step above anything that we have in yeah. terms of you know the ability to to produce uh, I don't know. It's a very
0: output. I kind of see it as a very powerful, sophisticated tool. Yeah, that's what it is.
1: Yeah. Right? And it's like anything, everything, right? So Web3 and crypto and NFTs, hype, hype, hype. But but that's actually a good technology that has uses. Those things have you know actual uses. I think of the internet in the nineties. Hype, 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 .com crash. But then look, it sticks around. You know, everything has this hype cycle, VR and AR. Um, so AI is a little, probably like anything, is a little overhyped right now because it's new, but it will settle in and it will become something that we use day to day.
0: Right, we're going to close the podcast part of the show. Rob's agreed to stay on um, for a couple more questions and a bit more discussion. Um, you'll be able to watch the whole interview um, on the WP Tonic YouTube channel, please go over there. I've got a ton of content and discussion. We had a great roundtable show last week. Um, we had um, the founder of WP Engine um, join us, Jason. Um, it was a great discussion. Um, so, um, so, Rob, maybe um, tell people how they can find more about, about you your thoughts. But also, can you give us a quick outline of what your new book's going to be about?
1: Hey, yeah, I'd love to. So uh, if you know, you're obviously listen to a podcast or watching YouTube right now to hear this, I have a podcast called Startups for the Rest of Us. It's up to 650 episodes, been shipping every week since 2010. And it's about bootstrapping and SaaS. And it's the longest running, I think, and the most kind of the most prominent um, in that space. And then Uh, YouTube, microconf.com slash YouTube. I also spit out a a new YouTube video on that kind of stuff every week that's different from the podcast. The book... It's called the SaaS playbook: build a multi million dollar multi million dollar startup without venture capital. And so it's about bootstrapping, but also mostly bootstrapping. There's a lot of companies in my orbit that raise a couple hundred grand. It's not venture money, but it's enough to get them that you know to escape velocity. And so uh, I'm going to be doing a Kickstarter for the book in a couple months. And I cover it's it's just a super compact. My books are all 200 pages. You know, it's like you can read it on an airplane flight. But I cover. You know, market, like how to build a product people want and are willing to pay for. We talk about team, if you decide to build one, how to hire, when to hire. Uh, talk about SaaS metrics that you should know, 80-20 SaaS metrics, I call it. Pricing structures, marketing approaches, how to find the one that works, or the one or two or three that work for you. And then uh, entrepreneurial mindset, right? All the, the biggest mistakes that I see folks making as well as how to, how to do it for the long term. So all that in like six chapters, 200 pages. And I'm, I'm really excited about it. I haven't written, this is my f- first book in like five years. It's my fourth book that I've written, but it's the first one since the Entrepreneur's Guide to Keeping Your Shit Together, which I wrote with my wife. And i uh, really, really excited about it. Yes, that's great. I I'll buy a copy. There you Thank go. You. Uh, um, Kirk,
0: how can people find out more about you and what you're up to?
2: Uh, well, I'm lucky in that I have a unique name. I'm the only Kurt Von and you'll find on LinkedIn, and I'm on LinkedIn almost every day. So if you can jump on LinkedIn, make a connection, uh, chances are we'll end up on a ice phone call and figure out how we can add value to each other, which I love, love, love to do. I love meeting people. Also, anything that is Manana Nomas online is typically mine. So uh, look up Manana Nomas and there I'll be.
0: That's great. It's, um it's been a great discussion. We've got some fantastic guests of the quality of Rob coming up in the next couple of months. I'm really excited. A very diverse group of people, but all about tech, SaaS, WordPress. It's all mixed up, isn't it? Listeners and viewers in an interesting witch's brew. We will be back <laughs> next week with another great discussion. we we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. Why not visit the Mastermind Facebook group and also to keep up with the latest news, click wp-tonic.com forward slash newsletter. We'll see you next time.